Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a podcast series from luxury shopping destination Matches Fashion, hosted and produced by me, Danielle Rodeutchen, bringing together a fashion designer in conversation with an artist whose practice inspires them. Since launching her fashion house in 2005, the designer Roxanda Alinchich has become known for her powerful use of colour and graphics and for cultivating a close relationship with the arts community. Originally from Belgrade, she grew up with art-loving parents in a house filled with paintings and her Mayfair boutique was designed in collaboration with the renowned architect David Adjay. No matter how drained or uninspired I am, she says, one visit to a gallery or opening can spark something in me and all the creative juices start flowing. Roxander's fellow guest is Tai Shani, the British self-taught multidisciplinary artist. Although she was born in London, she was raised in a commune in Goa and didn't go to school until she was 10. She spent time working as a fashion photographer before moving back to London and forging her own path as an artist. She was part of a group that won the Turner Prize in 2019 and teaches at the Royal Academy. While not well acquainted prior to this recording, Roxander and Ty's paths crossed earlier this year when Roxander attended a performance of Ty's work with the Contemporary Art Society and for which Ty wore a Roxander dress in pink taffeta. For this episode of the Matches Fashion Podcast, we met in Roxander's atelier in East London, where the pair took the chance to get to know each other, comparing thoughts and ideas on how fashion has a role in reshaping ideas around traditional notions of femininity, and why fashion and art should be more intertwined. Hi Ty, so lovely to have you here. I'm super exciting actually because there's so many questions that I want to ask you and I think that this podcast will give us opportunity to um, explore many things that we are kind of already sharing and having in common. Absolutely, it's so nice to be here and I didn't realise to what extent it's such a creative space. I didn't realise all the uh, production happens here, like the whole kind of process. So it's really a privilege to come and see that as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, well, I, I have to come to your studio at some point yes. as well. I, <laughs> I think it's so exciting when you actually see everything happening backstage, as, as we say, yeah. and, and hidden behind the closed doors. But yes, I... I guess I'm lucky to to have this space and to have wonderful atelier next door and to be able to experiment. It's 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 interesting you're saying that it feels nice because I always find it very chaotic and messy and um, not not particularly inspiring maybe to me. <laughs> so it's nice yeah. to hear that others are inspired. Totally. I mean, even you know, just seeing all the kind of objects and your books and these references, all of that is like really beautiful to see all of that in one place you know from like the kind of uh, conception to the final like stitch it's quite amazing to see that all together yes well i i am quite a visual person i'm sure like like yourself and um i i love to be surrounded with the books with with the beautiful objects with the things that might not be beautiful but have very special meaning to yeah. me and i think that energy that they are creating and and energy that is in this room it's it's very important to me um, no, no, no matter what they are, really. So, um, yes, um, exciting to share everything with you. Is there something that you like, um, you know, find infinitely inspiring? Like something that you go back to often? Like, 
for me, you know, there are films like that that I find really, really so spellbinding and so beautiful and there are details that I just miss, you know, after maybe two years if I haven't seen it. Yes. I want to go back and see some of the colours or the details. Yes, that sounds very familiar. I'm also very um, in love with the movies and with visual aspects of them too. Um, but um, it's it's not like, you know, coincidence that you're here uh, with us in my studio because above all, I think that art for me is this kind of endless source of inspiration and something that no matter how tired or maybe drained or uninspired I am, I think one visit to the gallery or opening or a certain book that um, I was or wasn't familiar with, I think it can kind of spark something in me and, and just all the kind of creative juices start flowing. And it, it's very nice that conversation that happens without any spoken words when, true, yeah. when you actually just kind of react to somebody's um, piece of work and, and start to kind of have your own ideas and take it in a different directions. Mm. Um, but you mentioned the movies mm-hmm. and, and when we recently worked together and, and I must say I was so honored and had such a great pleasure to work with you and we can touch upon this a bit later. But um, I received such incredible visual images that were so opulent and, and um, so kind of baroque in a way as well. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about your inspiration with the movies and yeah. maybe are your favorites yeah I mean it's funny because you know I think I make quite a clear distinction between narrative let's say things that I think are really important and uh, meaningful in terms of like their politics or their perspective or things that they do and then they're things that I just completely love visually and I think the things that I sent through were like Powell and Pressburger's Tales of Hoffman which all of their films have this incredible palette to them that is just, it's technicolor, obviously, but it's more than that. There's something very, very um, considered about every color that you see in the frame. And I've often grabbed, you know, screen grabbed frames and with a, like uh, in Photoshop with a pipette, taken colors from it because they're such beautiful, um, imaginative kind of ways of putting color together. And the other person that I do find quite inspiring in terms of like, textures, colors, and these are things that I also use in my sculpture or paintings. You know, I'll take certain kind of um, visual refrains. I really love, um, I forgot his, I think his name is Modini, but he was the costume mm-hmm. designer for Fellini's films. And he oh, did, yes. yeah, incredible <laughs> as well. Yeah, incredible. And um, Casanova is one of my favorite yes. palettes. It's just, yeah. Divine, 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 totally, yeah. And it's interesting how um, there is a similarity because you know you you said you you take those images and and then you take a pipette and just kind of consider them in your own way. And I'm also sometimes taking certain artists' um, paintings or photographs and and kind of starting. That's kind of usually starting point for my color palettes. Then I'm sure like you, we take them then totally somewhere else yeah. along the process. But that kind of initial idea, um, it's like almost kind of talking to somebody else's work and then creating something totally new. Totally, but it's so like, I guess when people say inspiration, they can mean like something quite abstract, but that is like pure inspiration, isn't it? It's when you see like a frame and everything is so like pleasing in it. Yes. Or, Or evocative or kind of a tone to it that you're like, 
I really want to reproduce that somehow. Yes. You know, it can be like the way a rope falls on glass or something, you know, some something about a relationship between textures yes. and like kind of um, rhythms of movement that, are, you know, can often begin a process, as you say, that then becomes more complex with time. But yes. it's often like the grain will be something like that, like a picture that I've kept in a folder of references. And I'm like, oh, I, I want to kind of echo something of this in an installation somehow. Yes, yes. It's 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 incredible how all the disciplines, no matter if it's a movie or art or theatre or poetry, and particularly in your work, because you're really interweaving different aspects of, of, of writing and photography and video and obviously sculpture and colour. All of that is combined in your work. And and I also love how um, artists in general can kind of respond to those visual or or verbal uh, points of, of difference or, you know, what, whatever it is. I like how um, somehow we're also living in London that has so many different um, directions of art that you can kind of get inspired with and also collaborate and work with them. Mm. So um, on may, maybe we should talk a little bit about also our project which and how we met which was so exciting um, for me and um, and it's something that you've been working on during the lockdown and something that was um, I mean I wouldn't call it departure from what we were doing but definitely like a longer version of something Mm -hmm. that you've been uh, touching upon before so this time it's 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 a did you say two two and a half hour long movie or it's it's an hour it's just over an hour long over an hour yes yes. and I think um, for the presentation, that performance we did where you allowed us to use one of your absolutely magnificent creations. And it kind of, you know, it, it was quite interesting because a couple of weeks before I did the entirety in a very underground club in Canning Town. And we did it over two nights. And actually Richard Malone uh, gave us um, an outfit for that. And it was very, yes. like, long, very different kind of vibe, very in a very dark space you know very dark kind of very unlit and then it was a very interesting contrast to do it in this very kind of um, airy pink space and I really wanted to think about how the mood can change as well and you know the 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 dress was so much part of that was such a kind of theatrical baroque opulent piece and it really kind of changed the tone of the work as well you know the way that visuals like I guess plays when they're adapted so it was almost like a diff- two different adaptations and that was really nice for me to do as well like so close together from this kind of like hardcore like nightclub to this yes. very beautiful you know we did all these like bouquets with like um like a hundred carnations in each like pink carnations and black ribbon and it was very like everything kind of was thought through to go together but it's part of this project that I've been working on called the neon hieroglyph which is looking at a very speculative, um, almost self-directed history of a fungus called ergot, which grows on different grains. And before industrial milling, people used to eat it quite often because it grows on rye. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also what LSD is derived from. So people like dancing plagues, there are all these kind of strange phenomena that happened um, throughout the ages, some of them ritualistic, some of them just like strange kind of um uh illnesses as well as mm-hmm. uh visions you know that i thought was an interesting point for me to think about like how 
narratives historical narratives are constructed what could a you know what could a psychedelic cosmology be today so these were kind of the ideas that i was looking at and there are a lot of um kind of feminized nodes in the project like different like weirdly for no reason at all but like a lot of the the people that died um in dancing plagues were women there's no explanation why but you know so there's these kind of interesting points that draw in feminine histories as well that I was interested in. Yes, I I loved how the whole evening was so, I should probably call it unapologetically feminine in a way. And the theme for everybody to, to come and be dressed in was pink and, and the dress was pink and carnations were pink and uh, the room was lit in a pink light. And, and as I said, there was something so unapologetically feminine, but very mysterious as well and and very otherworldly um and um i i loved it very very much and obviously the whole evening was for very good cause yeah that you so kindly donated um some of your works and and raised money for for other younger artists to to kind of be presented as well yeah. which is so good um and can you tell me about that feminine aspect of your work something that i feel so strongly about as well yeah, and totally. it resonates with you so much. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know we talked a little bit yesterday on the phone about like um, this point, and I think you know the idea of femininity it's changed so much, particularly you know in the last let's say ten years, where it's opened up as a space that different bodies can inhabit, and you have also you know p- people that identify as male that like to inhabit a more feminine kind of sphere than before so I think it's really interesting thinking about it as a mode of being and what it can be and I think I was saying to you yesterday like as someone who's now 46 when I grew up you know the kind of uh, signifiers of femininity were very hardwired linked to sexuality and to being sexy even if it was in an elegant way or a sophisticated way ultimately like feminine power was always uh, related to being sexy and uh, normative in terms of beauty standards and bodies and you know even whiteness and things like that and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really changing now and they're also definitely like, and luckily. yeah luckily because <laughs> you know there's different forms of power people can hold and they shouldn't be linked to their biology or to you know their sexuality necessarily like these things you know I think are more interesting when they're separated and like you know your designs also like I think when I first saw them, I had that real sense that, you know, they have it, so they hold a power to them, but it's not a sexualized power necessarily. It doesn't, but you know, I think when people hear that, they're like, oh, but they are sexy. Of course they are, but they're not about that being the kind of like indicator of power in a way. And I think, yeah. Yes, and 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 I, I'm I'm really honored that you're actually explaining my work like that because <laughs> <laughs> I really am, and I and I love when people perceive it like that because that was my total intention when I started my brand because we are kind of similar in age and and I also uh, was brought up with a culture that was celebrating something that is. Um, very sexy uh, for women. Uh, uh, women somehow always had to be also very strong and mm-hmm. portray this kind of strength and there is no vulnerability. And mm-hmm. and there are certain elements that I almost kind of rebelled against and I kind of felt, well, no, it's, it, it is nice to 
decide if if you want to necessarily show certain parts of your body yeah. or you just don't or you know there's many different ways in being beautiful and and it's also so beautiful to be vulnerable and so beautiful to be proud of who you are no matter who you are and if you are as we talked earlier born as, as as a female or male you can just be whoever you want to be yeah. and and i think that that freedom in deciding who you are from inside and wearing the clothes that represent that rather than wearing something that society is is throwing upon you i think it's very important and that freedom to 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 have that choice um do you do you think that times have are slightly changing for um, minorities and 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 unheard voices or do you think that we are still living in a um quite hard times for people who are different i think it's difficult because i think you know we both um even though we're not in the same world we're in adjacent worlds let's say yes. and i think that in our world these things have are being addressed in a very kind of forthright not always very sophisticated way but that there's definitely uh, a recognition that it needs to be talked about and and thought about and that these things can't just uh you know they need to take center stage let's say but i do think that also there's maybe a little bit of delusion in terms of what happens outside of these very privileged places that we operate in you know so i think that when people talk about these things it's really important to think about like you know let's say um when we celebrate you know trans women that are incredibly visible and beautiful that they're also many trans women that don't have access to let's say um the kind of healthcare or even gender care that they need to be able to kind of be comfortable and safe in their lives so i think you know there is like different kind of le- levels to it and yes. there's definitely um progress being made i think although you know i'm I- i'm representative of quite a privileged group myself you know um but i think there are there is progress but i think that also we have to remember that it's not uh horizontal that it doesn't mm-hmm. happen it's not equally distributed let's say and that there are people that maybe are in you know d- d- very different circumstances that don't have access to the conditions that can you know are afforded to people in our world yes. you know either conceptually or politically or also financially mm. so i think it's important to remember you know that there are people that are still suffering from exactly those things it's not because you know there's more representation that it's solved everything all the way you know mm. to the kind of most vulnerable parts of our our society really yes and and you know i obviously ask you this question on purpose because i kind of also feel as as you know people who are having a certain platform both of us are talking to a certain audience and no matter how small that audience is i kind of believe it's possibly bigger than maybe somebody who doesn't have a platform Pretty. like we do and i always feel it's so important to use that platform and not to think that the platform is too small it's never yeah. too small i think every change every voice anything that can contribute to change of mind or change of circumstances i think it's beneficial and um i you know i can just hope that you know people like us and much more important and much more powerful yeah, than us will absolutely. change some things because there's definitely um need for that totally. and, and fast need for that yeah, as well and it has to be structural it has to kind of you know like include from you know 
schools it, it can't be something that is only if you have privilege you have access to this kind of mm. world because yeah I think it also creates a strange type of delusion as to where things really are at you know yes um even though i do think it's very important for these things to progress in our world yes as um, well totally. exactly yeah. um and and what what other things i i see you as almost kind of i i don't know if this is correct but i will <laughs> say it but i see you almost as kind of new kind of contemporary feminist in mm-hmm. a way do, do you do you feel the same i don't know yeah but you know everything but your fight is very gentle and and very soft you know the everything that you do even the way that you speak and the way that you explain the things it's done with with gentleness and something that I see very feminine as well would you agree with what I'm saying or am I talking rubbish no I, I do I mean I think you know I, I I think anyone who like gets interested in feminism let's say goes to use the word but goes on a journey basically and you start you know often it's a moment moment of awakening where you're like oh you know for me it happened quite late I think I was in my 30s and I, I think I was just not um I started feeling maybe a little bit invisible mm. um in the world and and also I, I was really angry about stuff that I didn't have language for I just felt yes. very frustrated and very kind of unhappy about many things that I couldn't even like say what they were it was just a general kind of feeling and I became interested I teach also at at, at the Royal College of Art um, and I became interested in these ideas and started reading about them and my own feminism changed very much so from it being about like it's only about women you know that's the only thing that I'm interested in and maybe I also had like a bit of a biological sense of what that was And over time, I did a project that was a city. It started off as a city of women. And by the end, I called it a post-patriarchal city because I wanted it to be very inclusive of anyone that rejects the kind of ideologies of patriarchy, basically. Mm, mm, and mm. I think that's that's the big um, kind of shift, isn't it? Is that like, it's not about like your body. It's about like a kind of philosophy that you adhere to that takes in so now I guess my position is like much more aligned with intersectional queer feminism that thinks about class race that thinks about how all these things meld together and that they my experiences as a kind of educated middle-class white woman isn't going to be the same as um you know uh someone who's from let's say Gujarat that lives here you know that's an immigrant yes. that doesn't have so I think you know the the idea that we, we can't all be under one umbrella you know mm. we have to understand that everyone's um, experience of woman is or the category woman let's say is slightly different yes and that's often predicated on other kind of subject positions like class race um, education you know So yes. I think I changed my position over time. Yes. And also I feel like I've, I'm very indebted, you know, to a lot of black feminists and a lot of queer feminists that they showed me um, the light kind of or a better way of thinking about it, a more kind of um, generous way, I think, of thinking about it. Yeah, generous is, is, is a great word yeah. as well. Yes. Um, I love in, in one of your interviews when you were referring uh, about the, the city of women that you said white supremacist capitalist uh, post-patriarch. I just love 
<laughs> that you underlined all those elements actually that are that are existing in in society, particularly Western society, and that are embedded in how the world is perceived mm-hmm. and who has certain rights and who doesn't. Totally, and also that you know we have to kind of be aware all the time that we do you know we all participate we can't no one can be completely it's not innocent or not innocent but you know we we are compliant with some of these things sometimes it's difficult to be completely pure or consistent you know sometimes we benefit from things we don't agree with it's how you know it's very difficult to do those things but I think it's really important to allow oneself to change and to accept when other people change. You know, I think it's quite a harmful thing at the moment socially where people are like, oh, that person said this thing 15 years ago. It's yes. like they might not have known anything then. Mm. You know, people have mm. to be like open to other people changing their mind as well because it's the only way kind of forward, I think. Yes, yeah. yes, totally. Um, Tell me a little bit about your childhood, if I may ask this, <laughs> because I know a little things. You were one of I read one of your interviews, and like I, I, it was a very sweet line where you said that like you had a, a uniform and you sewed button like red buttons on it, and I really related to that because I think that's the thing is like even when you're a child, like you you find like these things that are meaningful to you and you can almost like yes. draw a thread, can't you? Like through totally. your life of what was... And do you, I, I bet that you remember every single of the things that you found as a child. I mean, that yes. there's something so important in my life. And if I have found some things later, I would maybe forget about them. Yeah. But the ones from the childhood are still it's with true. me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a very um, unconventional kind of childhood. I grew up in a commune so I grew up with many people kind of um, around and kind of responsible um, very beautiful parents everyone gorgeous yeah. by the way <laughs> if I can just kind of jump in here I saw the photographs and both mom and dad are exceptionally beautiful yes yeah, true but that's the funny thing about that whole period is that people are like oh wow it must have been so free and so but actually, you know, everyone was very good looking. Yeah. Everyone was like quite kind of similar in a way. So it's it's also like, you know, there are lots of mythologies around that time. But I do think it it gave me certain critical thinking ideas. Mm. You know, like, mm. for example, if you think we are in a construct, you start seeing it in everything. You know, like yeah. how everything runs, how you feel about yourself, like things that are very deep as well. Mm. But, like, that was a gift, you know, for me, was having parents that kind of always said that, you know, they always talked about the system, about how things work. So critical thinking is, like, you know, something that I feel was one of the gifts of my life from them, even though, you know, there are lots of things I'm a bit like, oh, my God, I don't agree with that anymore. (laughs) But that was something that was very kind of um, core to my thinking. Do you have stuff like that from... Yes, yes, definitely. I I grew up in a communist country, well, socialist in in ex-Yugoslavia. And there were certain elements of upbringing that I still value very much today. We we grew up reading Marx and, and, you know, we we had to read uh, like all the books and, you know, we had them in a school. And I remember I was always finding them extremely boring and something that was the last thing I wanted to do. But I must say, say, you know, as you grow older and in connotation of, of everything happening in the world, it's so important to have that knowledge 
it's it's also something that kind of taught me that um, maybe not maybe but definitely material things are not as important as for example education or mm-hmm. difference that you make in a society yeah. or certain things that um, you would put the the community in front of yourself and your own benefits and back home that was a must you know yeah. you you could not have personal interests that were coming in front of society and and uh, um, you know just just basically what was happening in the country and growing up I was really against it but it's really funny that I'm now totally agreeing with this yeah. because I feel it's so important what's happening not just in in one town in one city but in a whole world globally and again, going back with what we were discussing before, as long as we are in a position to do it and to change and to help people who need help, we, it's it's our duty to do it. And we are lucky enough here, being in London, being being in one of the richest mm-hmm. um, countries in the world, to to be able to have that possibility. So, you know, going back to kind of back home, um, you know, family was very important. All the values within a family were very important. Um, you know, go, knowing, learning every day, challenging yourself was also very important. So something that I think I still kind of have today, no matter how much I opposed it at the time yeah. <laughs> when I was actually being taught that that's something that I should do. What was it like coming to London? Like it must have been such a saturation. Yes, it was. I, I will never ever forget that first day. Did you like when clubbing I, first? That, Did you like yeah, nightlife? Of course, yes. of course, partying, clubbing. Yeah. Another thing that I um, discovered here, it's it's also that you are really appreciated for being different, but different in a really good and positive way. Yeah. Because I think that that's one of the beauties of, of big cities, uh, maybe not necessarily just London, you know, I guess New York is similar, um, uh, and other bigger cities that actually the diversity is really welcomed and yeah. you don't have to be similar to fit in. You can just be whoever you want to be, as long as that is strong and good and positive. Um, you will find similar voices that will listen to you. Totally. um, I think London is particular in the sense of how, because I think that's one of the things I loved when I was young and I moved here. I was born here, but I came back. Yeah. Was that you could dress however you want and no one looks at you. In New York, they do look at you. Yes, true. You are actually right. It's the only place in the world where you could literally be wearing something completely extravagant very yes. very like out there yes and no one would bat an eyelid absolutely that that was the first thing actually that i discovered here because i remember i i went uh, you know i was in a tube and in one carriage there was um a sikh man dressed beautifully and next to him was this kind of punky girl with a bright green hair and I'm talking this was 20 years ago yeah. so not many people had actually colorful yeah. hair and um, next to her was again a- another incredible diverse personality with this incredible knitted hand knitted jumper yeah. and I remember three of them were sitting next to each other nobody was blinking no it was just like totally normal yeah. And for me to see that incredible variety of tastes, of culture, of, of, self-expression. of background, yeah. self-expression that was all brought and lives here, yeah. totally next to each other, totally normally. Yeah. And as you said, people were coming in and out. Nobody was, I was the only one actually staring <laughs> at them. 
Um, and it's 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 really beauty of London, something that I hope will never get yeah, lost. Yeah, me too. I or... think that is like you know the fact that maybe you know people come from all over the world, like people that maybe were you know misfits for different reasons, like their gender, their sexuality, or just their taste. You know, like being very extravagant, and they come here, and it's like it's it feels like that isn't a point of negativity or like attention you know like sometimes it's almost like when I when I was a teenager I lived in Belgium and it was a very kind of fashion focused yes. place on one hand but very conservative on the other hand and I was very into like clubbing very of course gay, gay clubs <laughs> yes, you know yes. and dressing up and like very I used to uh, sew my own dresses out of like fake fur and it was very over the top but people used to take photographs it was before phones you know people would take pictures of us like we'd walk through touristic areas to have our picture taken because we enjoyed you yes. know being subversive and that kind of attention and I remember coming to London even as a teenager and you know like you just don't don't have that here it's a different way of being yes yeah and I, I really love that about London as well Yes, it's 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 amazing, really, really amazing London, and and I like, um, for example, here we are in in you know my studio, and at the end of the road is one of my favorite uh, pubs called Glory, <laughs> run by yes. incredible Johnny Wu, and um, that was another incredible thing that I discovered here, like going to Biscuitech and seeing all the Johnnies. Wu, incredible performances yes, and he's such an artist um, in his own right um, and uh, you know so something like that would not just be on a door your doorstep no. and here it is totally. it's literally at the end of the road totally um, and and I, I love I love that yeah I really uh, miss those days where like the joiner's arms and yes, George and Dragon yes. and all, all those kind of places that you felt very liberated to be at I, I mean I guess nightlife has changed Covid but also culturally but it is always and has been such a kind of um concentration of self-expression yes and fashion yes as well, and happened. celebration totally yeah yes has always happened in the night hasn't it yes <laughs> yeah it's so beautiful to me I, that's the only thing I kind of miss about being younger is like that kind of impetus to be like oh I'm gonna put together the most wild outfit and go to a club and like you know enjoy Show myself, myself and, yes and enjoy yeah. yes yeah I guess that's kind of gone for for me totally as well no matter how much I loved it yeah when, when I was younger I guess you know um you get into slightly different totally. quieter times and and much busy in terms of work yeah. I guess so. and that's an interesting thing as well I think is like you know at the core of what you do and what I do there is a process of creation but then it has the process of dissemination how it's produced where it goes you know all these kind yes. of things of which are outside of that core but are what sustains it exactly as just well. as important yeah and it's difficult finding that kind of balance sometimes of like yeah yeah, yeah no I agree I agree just the life becomes a bit more serious yes but that doesn't mean <laughs> that we are enjoying it any less no I mean I definitely enjoy like um the fact for me like in the last few years I've been able to and uh, not have a day job you know and just do this yeah. which is amazing to yes. me like to kind of be did did winning a Turner Prize really uh, change your life and and perception of of other people towards your work or do you think that uh, 
that things were kind of happening more slowly and organically or was it really a big milestone? I mean it's difficult to say because um, you know like how I don't know but it definitely changed I mean I'm surprised at how much everything I do now like is prefaced by that you know like Mm. whatever you do it's like Turner Prize yeah (laughs) you know like it's quite interesting that the kind of weight that that holds I don't think I was prepared for that completely and it was quite a special one it was yeah (laughs) definitely I mean I think for me it was a huge um it was a real honor you know because I, I didn't go to school art school or any university and I think I was always seen as a bit of a risky person because I'm outspoken (laughs) you know and like my work doesn't fit completely comfortably into any you know discipline it's not really sculpture it's not writing you know it's it's always kind of like flowing between things which now is much more acceptable but like 10 years ago people were very Mm. like oh we don't know I remember a curator saying I I, I wouldn't know how to put this Mm. in context yes and things like that so for me it was it was really important to kind of um have that recognition was amazing you know and and I'm really grateful for it and and I'm very happy that we um decided to kind of also use that moment to do something slightly different but I also feel like it was in the air you know because people say like oh you know you guys made this really radical choice and it is a radical choice maybe maybe not I don't know but like it was in the air do you know what I mean it's it not was like we such a moment in time I, I think it was so it was almost like response of the it time. was exactly and I think people give us too much credit in that way because I think you know like um the Booker Prize that year was also shared mm-hmm. so it were things that were around you know it was idea and often like that is how the world is made isn't it it's yes. like there are all these like kind of influences and and like discrete things happening and suddenly like someone says oh I'm pressing play on that or whatever mm. or pause on that and then it becomes very explicit and visible yes so I think it was a moment like that it just didn't make sense for us to not do that do it together yeah we yes. I mean we weren't friends before we met none of us had met each other but in the first meeting we decided to do it like, yes I think I said I don't want to win or something like that <laughs> and then it was just like everyone was like let's not then you know and and everyone was like I don't want to either like you know no one felt like oh this is what it's about yeah but it's also the choice of people together mm. you know because had we have each been very um not let's say political or engaged you know like Oscar and Helen and Lawrence they're all incredibly rigorous and incredibly um invested in the politics of their work in different ways you know so I think had we have not been those people it probably wouldn't you know even one one person Mm, mm -hmm. but it was just like you know it was just it made sense yes no totally I remember watching actually um and um and I loved your outfit yes it was Craig Green yes love Love Craig Green yes (laughs) No, it was very nice. And and that was also lovely. Just, you know, that kind of um, having that type of care, you know, of, mm. of him saying, yes, wear a runway piece. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that was very nice as well. Yeah. 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 And um, there is one question, which I, I guess it's it's kind of interesting, maybe that, that we touch upon, which is kind of connection between art and fashion. And 
um, how you see it and do you think that there is much connection or maybe not? Um, 100% connection. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to hear directly yeah. from you. <laughs> I mean, 100% connection. And I think it's a kind of indictment to the conservatism of our world that that connection has become like so uh, questioned in a way. Because if you look historically, there were so many artists that worked side by side. I mean, I noticed you had a Schiaparelli book. You know, um, Schiaparelli was very involved with the Surrealists. Yes. There were lots of designers, fashion designers or artists that made clothes. It's a huge, like even on that level of like deep engagement, it's such a rich history, yes. such a rich tradition of cross-pollination. But I think even like people would have been more socially connected in that way. So like a group of people might have included designers, theatre makers, musicians, artists. Now everyone lives in their world a little bit, you know, like artists are in the art world. Yes. Fashion designers in the fashion world. There's a bit of crossover sometimes, but it's it's quite discreet from each other in Mm, a way. mm. But it wouldn't have been that way before. And I think that's sad, you know, that there's like almost hierarchies of knowledge or people are like, oh, that's, you know, cinema, so we, we don't. Mm. But, you know, the thing is that it's so interesting when people do um, t- touch upon things together and, and have different ways of thinking about it, different ways of kind of approaching it. Absolutely. What do you think about I that? I totally agree. I mean, I am I am kind of um, the queen of collaborations, <laughs> I must say, but, but meaning with the people that I love and that I really feel that there is some similarity in, in approach, in, in color, in in the meaning. And and I just kind of love what comes back to me because you almost kind of step out of your comfort zone or something that is just kind of your pure focus and you, you bridge out into something that is totally different and opens your horizons. Even now, talking to you and learning some things from you, I'm sure that I will kind of bring that back into my work. And I also think we are all, um, at the end of the day, having similar problems. We are all living in the same world, in a same town with the similar problems that art world in general is having. And I think it's such a shame not to share it more and not to be connected more. Totally, yeah. But at the same time, I must say, I kind of feel quite lucky because I kind of feel I'm always the one kind of reaching out and and wanted to kind of meet more people not not just artists but also architects yeah. uh, you know uh, writers like from different different um, aspects of art and what comes back from that it's it's just pure kind of gratitude and and love and and um, you know like mutual understanding so as you said i just kind of wish that it's kind of happening a little bit yeah, more me too, totally. and that um, everything that is kind of happening including the i don't know if, if it's awards or if it's a parties that somehow we are more connected on a social level as well rather than kind of having to reach out to each yeah, other yeah absolutely it is strange isn't it that yeah. like people you know will be like do you you know sometimes people would be like do you know anyone in the theater world i need and it's like how come no, we don't know these yes. people like how come we don't have that naturally like yeah it's strange because i i don't think it was but maybe that's also because you know, like a capitalist logic where everything has to uh, be viable financially and then people get kind of locked into their milieus where, where it's more yeah, sustaining in that exactly, way. Yeah, financial, exactly, financial gain, which which is a big problem of many things. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I, I guess you and me have yes. to organize one very, very big party. Oh, yeah, definitely. When everybody should dress up yes. and come from 
all different yes. walks of life and, and aspects of art and not just art. And um, I, I think that should be our next project. I totally. think so. But salons <laughs> used to be like that. People would yes. come from like, you know, and you'd also have like someone who read tarot and, you know, mm. it would be like all these different types of people. It is, yeah, but I think that is the conservatism of, you know, the age we're in, unfortunately, a little bit as well. We can work on changing okay. it. Sounds, Do you take my challenge? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> If you'd like to hear more artists and fashion designers in conversation, head to your podcast app and search for Matches Fashion, where you can subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. You can find out more about everyone featured in these episodes at matchesfashion.com and you can join the conversation on social at, at matchesfashion. Until next time, I'm Danielle Radoichin. This has been In Conversation. Thanks for joining us.